Hello, and welcome to another episode of Just Keep Writing. A podcast for writers. By writers. To keep you writing. I'm Nick. I'm LP. I'm Gabe. And I'm Samin. And I'm Will. And hosting this very lovely and special episode this week is Gabe. Gabe, send it to you. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, uh, to finish this section of the first draft, before we get into characters, because that would be that would be the next session, then next session, the next section, um, we are missing three parts, which will be yes and, which is in page twenty-two, read predictively, also on page twenty-two, and then learn what book you're not writing, which is like the last part of this section, and I think the three of those those three topics connect very deeply, I think. So we'll start with it. Yes, and. So this is this is a highlight for me in this section. And for starters, like l- let's not confuse this with the yes, but no, and a method of adding tension and keeping the stakes high. This is just a method to use what you already have written to kickstart more writing. Like that's the basic that Matt goes on about in this section. So in the book, Matt uses the analogy of improv, like in, in theater or in, in acting, um, and how just saying yes and is the way to continue a story, to continue to keep things rolling, to keep the momentum going. And just say yes to everything your improv partner throws at you. And I mean, this is what happens when you're telling a story to a, to a child. Like a child will only tell you, and, and, okay, this happens, and, like, what's the next? What's, and then, and then, and then. So how do we translate this to the page? So as Matt puts it in the book is, the main thing is to be responsive to the material on the page, to your own material. Like this is referring to what you have written already. And that is the key. Like that that phrase in particular is the key to this. And so I I think this is twofold. First, it's a way to get unstuck, to reach back into you what you have written to get unstuck in your writing or to keep the momentum going or to kickstart your new your next session. Like you sit down to write, then you go to look back to what you have written. So, and, what, and, and another point that Matt makes in the book is that this reinforces the thought that every single word you write is valuable. Like it serves... Even if you don't use it for a finished story, it's going to be used. It can be used at some point by looking back or just by by pure practice. So the question that I'll throw to the group is if or when, when do you find it useful to look back at what you have already written? Like, I mean, it could be to kick off your current session, to get unstuck, if you're blocked for whatever reason to keep your momentum or even to remind you what that, I mean, that you are a good writer, that you have already written many, many words. Sometimes you go look back and it's like, oh my God, I've written a hundred pages in this project. So when do you find it useful to go back to what you have written? Well, I see you nodding. Um, I, it depends what I'm writing. So I was writing my play today and I will go back and just read uh like two pages when i'm stuck at the current page so like 
I went back and read, you know, the dialogue and everything, see how it was flowing. And that informed me of what I needed to write next. Uh, when it comes to same thing, when I'm writing the webtoon, uh, the web comic I write called vessel, when I'm in the middle of writing that, what I like to do, because this is more, this is a little bit more episodic. I like to go back and look at the, all of it, actually, usually at least the episode before. And then while I'm writing it, kind of go back and forth. I'll like write a page, I'll go back. Because specifically with the webcomic, there's certain beats you need to hit in those frames in a very short amount of time to turn the page. When it comes to like my fiction, I only go back a paragraph of what I've written in the first draft. And I do that because for whatever reason, writing like a short story or a novel, when I'm in the draft mode, I can't go back and read too much because then I get really judgy with myself. I really have to like um, kind of relax into it and let it go because I know I have so much more work. Um, but with the play, it, the energy is different. And then mm-hmm. also with the webcomic, it's definitely different because with the w- webcomic, I'm, I'm literally trying to like get certain beats in a short amount of time for the next like weekly episode. So that's how I go about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. LP? For me, um, it can sometimes uh, help me. It can sometimes help me to, to just kind of start over from the beginning and just kind of th- figure out where I can complicate a thing or what the connections that I've made. Like if I'm working on a piece across a myriad of days, right? I'm not necessarily making all the connections from day to day. So like it can help me to go back to, to the beginning and just kind of like start reading to make, oh, I put this here and this here. Maybe those are connected. Maybe I can make a note about that and think about how that would dovetail later on. Maybe that's the next plot point or uh, a, a conflict that I hadn't foreseen um, that I would be able to use again in the future. So, um, so I mean, we were talking before the session, we we're talking about like your method of now that you're going through a novel instead of short fiction, have you found, how have you found, found it different? Like in short fiction of rereading, I mean, you can reread your short story quickly. And you were just saying that, oh my God, when I finish my novel, I'll have to go back. Yeah, to read the whole thing. So while you now that you're writing, working on the first draft, how do you find it? I do you use that to go back a few pages or paragraphs or sentences to kickstart something or to remind you of what your a uh, a main plot point or whatever? In, in yeah, the I think I think with um, with short fiction, I would jump around a, a ton because it was just you know pretty easy to do that in a short time window. Um, but with a novel. Um, I think I mentioned um, in another conversation, I've mostly been drafting this uh, on my iPad and iPhone. Um, and that wasn't, this wasn't intentional uh, at first, but I think I realized maybe a month in that that was super helpful because it made it really difficult to go back and jump around, especially for a novel. Um, and so it kind of forced me to only go back maybe like a couple of sentences. Maybe there's just a paragraph before um, so yeah, that's, that's all I tend to do. And because I am trying to like pick it up, pick up the pen every single day for at least like a hundred words, um, I don't have to stretch that far 
to like remember what I was doing. Whereas like it, with short fiction projects in the past, I'd like put the pen down for months and come back to it and would have no idea what I was trying to do. Um, mm-hmm. Which sometimes was was helpful because you'd come back with a completely new perspective. Um, but I would have to reread the whole thing um, to to get back into it and figure out what I was where I was trying to go. Um, so yeah, in the novel, just like a few sentences at most. Uh, otherwise, that's mm-hmm. all I will do is reread. Right. So, Nick, tell us things. Oh, the things that I could tell you about you. Um, <laughs> yeah, so for me, I'm, I'm more like Will on this one. Uh, I'm only going to read like a paragraph or two before where I'm stuck at. Uh, if, you know, if, if I'm in a position I'm stuck at, I need to keep moving forward. Um, I do like to go back and read um, for continuity. Uh, making sure, like, if I'm referencing another thing or incident that happened, I go back and read it first before I write about it, just to make sure I have my continuity down <laughs> on that one and reference it again. I know some people do Bibles, as if you will, or portfolios where they track all those events and things like that. I don't do that. I feel like it's cumbersome, and I would actually get lost in just creating that more than the actual story. But yeah, yep. Well. I think that's pretty hilarious because when it comes to me writing the novel, I'm a little bit more consistent with the webcomic and the play, but I like don't even worry about continuity. I think I'm like, oh, this is this is like something I'm going. So a good example of this is like in my play, I mentioned um, my two main characters, Derek and Enrique, their first date. He was having a conversation with one of his best friends. And she was like, well, do you remember his first date? And I was like, actually it was their third when I moved back, but I was like, whatever, I'm not fixing it right now. So I tend to think of that as like, I'm going to change that in post-production. Um, so it just makes me laugh. So go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say something very similar. Um, I don't, I think in a short story, it's very easy for me to like maintain continuity without like working very hard at it. Cause it's just, it's a small enough space that I can keep it in my head. Um, and there might be little like continuity issues that I fix in editing. Um, but with this novel, I haven't worried about continuity at all. Um, and that's actually been really helpful, um, in being productive and pushing forward. Cause otherwise I think in the past I've struggled with this more than anything is like, how can I write 10,000 words and then remember what I said a thousand words or, you know, 20, 10, 15,000 words ago, um, as I'm picking it up. Um, and, and I think if I was like really efficient, I would keep a Bible, I'd keep good notes and reference, uh, like, you know, I keep things in reference, but now I'm like, I don't remember the last name I gave that character. So I'm just going to insert something and I'll fix it in post, like Will said. Um, and, and I, I've done this even with like perspective and tone. Um, I've just decided I'm not going to worry about being, um, like continuous with any of that stuff. Uh, that's also been really helpful in letting me experiment through the novel to see what works in different places. Um, knowing full well, like I'm going to have to go back through all this stuff and narrow down the variety of tone and perspective I'm using. Um, but it's been really helpful in just letting me write and push forward. Yeah. And I mean, this is, I think this is a point that goes into the second draft. Like many of the things that you've said, like just take it for later, save it for later. And that's, I mean, one of the adages of writing is killing your darlings. And what Matt mentions in this point is that not a single word that you write is wasted because you might use it later. Even if it's not, as I said, 
in the final thing. But if it helps kickstart, if you look back to it and it's like, oh my God, this is crap, but there's some some tidbits that might kickstart something or even be used. So yeah, I think that is just write the thing, fix it in post, and see if it it's useful in post. So yeah, I think this is this is a highlight of the book. This is on page 22. So so yeah, I mean then Matt goes into reading predictively. Also, it, that's the next point in page 22. So on the point of going back to your own fiction, Matt gives the advice of reading predict- predictively. What he means means is read your own, even while you're writing a scene or going back to one to see what you're going to do, is to get into the mindset of what's going to happen next. What does the this scene need, needs next? And I think to do that is to focus, I mean, an easy way to do that is to focus on character. I think that's at least from my perspective, and Matt also talks about characters in, in this section. Um, and by focusing on character is to focus on what actions a character could take to choose one outcome or another. I mean, that's verbatim from the book. And what would the consequences of those actions be? So, and from that, he goes into thinking about what the characters want and what are they willing to do to get it. I think this this is the soul, at least for uh, for my own writing, this is the thing that helps me move a story forward. Because if you're in, not in the character set, but if you know your characters well enough and you know what where you're going, or even if you don't know, even if you don't know what's your what your end goal is, if you focus on on thinking what the characters would do to achieve what they want, I think that you have half of the work done in being able to move forward. So with this, I think this is something we should constantly be thinking about. What this what does this character want? What this other character wants? How that intersects? And I mean there you get conflict there. So, and also in this par- in this paragraph, Matt talks about foreshadowing and setup and theme. And this is honestly something that I sort of disagree with in the book, because at this stage, holding all those things in your mind feels uh, like a daunting task. I mean, amazing if you can do it. Like that's awesome if you can be thinking of all those things while you're drafting. That's that's amazing, but. No, yeah, well, hit me. Um, I think though, no, I don't, I don't, I don't agree with what you're saying because you can think of those things, right? You can think of like the thematic or the things that you want to hit. Because right, let's talk about like Fonda Lee's Green Bone Saga, right? When we go into the first book, that just those first thirty pages you kind of get a feeling of what the big theme expansive world building is. You know, you're, you're as a reader, you're asking those questions. So I think when you're writing something, it's kind of asking yourself, well, what did I want to write about? Because you don't have to know the actual mm-hmm. theme, but you do have kind of go into writing a story with something in mind, whether it's a question or, or what's going on, even if, to me, even if you're discovery writing, um, or, you know, do you agree or disagree? You disagree. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, I disagree with the amount of things he says that you should be thinking about because it's about the foreshadowing, the setup, the theme, the characters, well, like all those things. I think I think what he's actually saying, and then Samim and then LP, I guess, some of the things that he's talking about is also kind of um, instinctual storytelling. Like whenever you read a book, like you're like, oh, this might be a foreshadow or this is what's going to happen next. That's what I feel like he's more saying when he's saying like, um, you know, uh, what is it? It's read predictively. Like, I think he's thinking like, I interpreted it like this. It's like when you're reading a story and you're like, oh, that's a foreshadow. Maybe Um, I think this is what's going to happen next. That's not that you have to, when you're writing it, always think like that, but there are these things that you can recognize in other writings and then try to mimic it as you're writing. So I mean, yeah, I think I was going to say something similar in that um, there's like the, you know, the overarching like mega theme of a book that, yeah, you might not know um, until you're done, you know, with all of your drafts and you really understand what the story was about after the fact. Um, But I feel like there's a motivating theme usually that you might not have articulated, uh, but it's something that pushed you to write this. Uh, It's something that pushed you to write the whole book as a whole or a character a certain way or a scene a certain way. Um, And so you might not need to like define it as a theme, um, but I I think it's, I think it's there. And I think at this stage um, you don't need to pick and choose. I I think, you know, when you get to a later stage, you might have to figure out like, okay, I need to focus and, you know, really talk about this one thing for the whole book or this section of the book or whatever. Um, but I think um, as you're writing, you can throw in all the themes you want and foreshadow all the things that you might think could happen, even if you don't ever use them in the end. But it's sort of like you're opening every possible door at this phase. Um, and it's okay if you don't, you know, you, you erase that part, you know, walking through those doors later on. Um, but the, when the exploratory phase, I think it's totally fine. Yeah. Use it in post. Yeah. So, LP? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'm about to say some of the things that everyone else said, but like, uh, one of the things you said was like, don't hold all that stuff in your head. And I was like, that's, to me, that's the point before writing, because you are holding everything in your head, right? Like, thinking about, mm, I guess this is actually a better question. Like, if you are a, if you are a plotter, right, then you, you've got a sense of everything that's going on. You've probably done character development sheets you've maybe you have a scene list and you know you know what tone you're going for what voice you're going for and for me personally i just don't know and i probably won't know until the end and i'll probably try six or seven different tones six or seven different voices on the way to the end and i'll probably settle into it toward the middle and then power through to the end but like i feel like none of that shit's important until you get to the end and make a decision on which of those tones is going to be the most important one. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, this this is awesome because I think it relates to a question that I was thinking of throwing to the group is when you're writing a first draft, do you are you actively holding something in particular in your head? Are you focusing on something, character motivation, themes, as we mentioned, the next event? If you're a, a pantser or a plotter, I mean, that's different. Or, or like... When you go back to your writing, when you were talking about the yes and, if you go back to your writing, are you thinking of something in particular? Like there's, 
I suppose that's different for every writer. Like something is motivating, moving them forward differently. So does anyone have anything in particular that they focus on? Samim? Um, it's kind of like uh, sometimes it's hard to sing the alphabet song from like a random letter in the middle. Um, you have to like start from the top. Um, and so I think like once I'm sitting down and writing, it's easy for me to f- figure out what those that like sequence is. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, LP. Sorry, I'll ask the question one more time, please. Um, when you were writing, do you hold anything in particular, like in focus in your mind? Like, are you constantly thinking, focusing on character or on a plot point or on a theme, like in your process in general? This might be different in stories, in a different story, in a short fiction or novella, novel. I, I don't because I know that anything I write will be helping me unearth what I'm writing, right? So whether that's like bits about character, the way characters interact with each other, learning about the setting, figuring out the tone, even plot points. Like I, I, I only, I can only plot so far before I've embarked upon writing the thing. So it's like, yeah, I think, I think it, for me personally, it's hard to, to, to do any of that. Cause if, if I don't know what to write that day, I will write two characters in the space together just to see what that looks like. And maybe that'll tell me something about the way they interact. Like, it's, it, I know it's not all going to make it into the novel and like I can earmark it to be cut if I need to, but like mm-hmm. it, it's all exploratory for me. Yep. Will? Yeah. So I think of a lot of times when I think of the story, there's usually a scene I want to get to. Um, so I'm going to use the webtoon that I'm writing right now. As of this recording, we are going to release episode seven. And I, we're not even out of like the hospital, right? So like, I am not even in the first, I haven't even finished the first 10% of the um, story, right? I'm not even out of the first 10% of the story, the first season. So I always think about what I'm working towards or like what scene I really like am waiting to get to. That's going to be like really juicy. And that's like, okay, now this is pushing us to the never another level with the play. I have the two characters are having conversations in like this uh, nexus, right? It's like between uh, earth and heaven. We'll say I, know what conversation they need to have in a new scene, but I have to, I have to kind of work my way towards that emotionally for it to be impacted. So I kind of always have scenes ahead of it of what I want to write towards, even though I might not know what needs to happen before then I just can tell instinctively like, okay, I need like either a conflict or I need to end this part of the scene or maybe the chapter in a way that uh, gears us towards this really emotional first strong, like really beat. So I think of it like that more than anything. And I am way more discovery writer, but I think I really rely on 
emotions to get me through to the next level. Mm-hmm. All right. Samim? Yeah, I think as uh, Will and LP were talking, um, remember what I was going to say, because it's also kind of like a combination of what both of them were saying. I think for the most part, I'm very exploratory um, and I won't really know. Um, uh, like I, I might have some ideas of types of scenes or images and stuff like that, or some like random lines that I want to work in somehow. But if I, if I've in the past, if I've ever tried to work off of those um, and work backwards from those, it just doesn't turn out very nicely. Um, and so I sort of use those as like the feeling that I want to work towards. Um, but to get there, I just explore. And if I end up there organically, great. If I don't, I'll just keep working. Mm-hmm. And there's been times where I'm like, with short stories where I, I, I realize like, uh, when I've tried to work backwards from that, like the image that I wanted to end on or something, the story is just terrible. Um, and like the feedback comes in, like, why this sounds really forced? Like, why'd you do this? And, and when I, when I remove that image, the rest of the story is great. So a lot of times those images that I want to work towards, uh, are great motivators to push me through the story. Um, but have nothing to do with the story in the end. And so I've like, I've deleted whole scenes that motivated the story. I've deleted characters that motivated the story. Um, all because I guess it was just part of the, the process. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little bit unpredictable. Um, but it's, I found like a good motivator to just continue pushing through. Yeah, and how are you how are you finding it different between short fiction and now writing your novel? Um, I don't think it's that different. Um, I think that I haven't gotten to a stage in the novel yet where I'm going to go back and be like that scene that I was trying to cla- like reach a pivotal point on is completely useless, but everything around it is great. I'm sure it's going to happen as I go through like the second drafting process. Um, but so far, I think a lot of times, you know, trying to get to a scene that I've imagined for like a year plus would be part of the story has just led in so many different twists and turns as I've been exploring the world. And, um, you know, I've loved that so far. I've gotten to know characters uh, better. I've gotten to understand motivations better. I've invented new characters along the way, completely new scenarios along the way. Um, And so uh, I think there's going to be scenes again that like, don't make any sense in the story anymore because I went on so many tangents that are actually way better for the story. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. So Nick, again, tell us things. Repeat the question. Cause you, everyone's gone around twice. Um, yeah. Do you focus on anything in particular while writing your story, be it theme character, a motivation, a plot point? my characters are the central part of my stories. So they're all character driven more than plot driven. I feel like, and so I focus on what's happening to my characters, how they're feeling, how they're moving through the world and things like that more than anything. A particular aspect of character, like relationships, character motivation, how, how they're okay. reacting to the things that are going on. Cause that will determine what the character is and who the character is and things like that. Um, so I have this silly exercise when I'm developing new characters that I do. It's taking out the trash. What does taking out the trash look like in the world that I'm writing in? What does that character mm-hmm. do? How do they do it? What happens when they're taking out the trash? Do they get mad if it ripped open? Do they do this? Do they do that? And it kind of helps you develop characters that way. And 
get to know him a little bit better in the very beginning before I can actually put him through the ringer and make him hate their life. Mm-hmm. So how have you found that working out how, I mean, working out your characters and how they interact with each other helps you then develop plot or just move the story forward. Even if you don't have the whole thing figured out when you're starting out, just going through character helps you move along. I would say it helps me move along. Um, and obviously through their choices and actions will drive plot, which makes me a panster preferably. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as we know, I, I can do an outline as well if I need to on things. So that always helps out as well. So I kind of use both, have my my guiding stones and marks, if you will, to write to based on my character decisions. Okay, awesome. Um, so in the second part of this section, it goes about reading predictively the fiction you're reading, not your own. Even if this is published works or, I mean, he focuses on published works but i think this also is about when you're giving feedback reading friends or students in matt's case that he he's talking about and the question about this is when you're reading other writers do you consciously turn on or off your writer brain and if it's on or when it's on do you feel it detracts from what you're reading like the experience of the story or it adds to it Okay, so for me, I'm going to, I read for enjoyment first. Sometimes I'll catch things like as a writer and be like, oh, how did they do that? Um, But specifically when we have writing group, when we have book club in my writing group, I will do both. Um, And it doesn't really detract. But I think that's because I really try to look at what I really love about it right away. Um, The only times I, my writer brain really comes on is when I'm, really bored so if i'm really bored then i am um definitely looking under why i'm bored so that's how i look at it Mm -hmm. because i mean i've seen that many times during our not the book club in particular but writing group and that we tell the other person oh i didn't write any comment in these six pages i mean that is feedback in and of itself because you were in the you were not activating your writer brain. You were just all reader, just all enjoying the thing. So I think that is also something that get, is a kind of feedback when someone, when there's nothing jumping at you. So, Samim? Yeah, I think it also depends on what I'm reading in the genre. Um, I think if I'm reading something that's like super, super dense um, and like I have to really pay close attention to the language. Um, to like process it and understand it where especially when the language is like almost like at like a poetry sort of level um then i'm not i'm not for i'm not thinking ahead i'm not foreshadowing i'm not like predicting um but then if i'm reading like i don't know like a fun mystery novel then obviously that's like the main thing that i'm trying trying to do the whole time um so i think it just it, it just depends but but like you were saying um i think especially in critique groups when i've read things and I get to the end and I realize I didn't write any feedback done because I was just so immersed in the story. Um, then it's like a hundred percent reader and I have to go back a second time uh, to really process it as a writer. Well, yeah, I think, um, you know, speaking of critique groups, I think sometimes what happens is when people think 
uh, they're automatically in reader mode because they're just enjoying it, that they have to go back and correct something. Um, and you don't. Like, just say, I shut off my writer brain here because I was really enjoying it, and pick the things that you like about it. Don't pick anything to nitpick about it, especially if this is your first time reading the story. I think that can happen later, but too often I feel like in critiques – People do that, and it actually makes the writer lose their voice. That's just a sidebar. Go, LP. <laughs> uh, I, I generally read to see if I'm liking it, right? Because, like, all the other stuff be damned. Like, you can pick up a story that's been published somewhere and be like, oh, don't know why this got published. Or, like, oh, my God, this is mind-blowing, right? I, and I don't care why in the beginning. I just want to see if I like it. Um. So thank you for that segue, because it – it is exactly what Matt is saying in the book about like that first time you can like not see anything as a writer. And he talks about how, when you find that thing that you're amazed at, that you're like, Oh my God, I love this. Like reading predictively needs to become a skill in the sense that going back to why that was like to pick apart why a thing worked so well for you can help your writing. Even if it's, I mean, a published work or your friends or your writing group. So he, I mean, th this is reading from the book. He he says about like asking uh, several things. One of them is, how are your expectations fulfilled or subverted when going into, into the story? Like, And I think this is more of a, a conscious thing that you have to sort of activate because if you're reading it as reader and just just enjoying it, like rarely you're gonna oh this is they were doing this and then oh it was subverted like this oh my god what a what a switch they did here like so then he talks about focusing on practicing this skill like going back to something and picking it apart. So can you like bring to mind anything recently or at any point in your writing career? that you were like, oh my God, I have to go back to this story in particular because I want to, I want to learn from it, like actively learn from it. I'll give you time. I, I know I haven't done that as much with novels just because it, it's uh, a lot, uh, a lot of time and effort, but there have been some short stories that I've like, I'm going to reread this because I want to understand like how, it, how it made me feel the way I felt at the end of it. Um, so like, um the paper menagerie by ken lu like i cried at the end of that story and I've, I've probably read it like three or four times because i wanted to understand how he did that um because i wasn't wasn't expecting going into the story that like i was driving and listening to it um the first time i i like read it um and like almost pulled the car over because that had like such an impact on me um and I was like, I want to learn how to do that to people. Um, and so I think when I when I hit a moment like that, um, where I really deeply want to understand like the emotional impact and how it worked, then I try to go back to it. I don't like to do this. <laughs> I don't like like I, I'm very much into like, hey, this scene impacted me. Uh, what did it make me feel? But I'm not. We can we, we consume so much story that we consume so much story which turns us into storytellers and we're always doing it. Right. Um, for me, 
I don't want to understand how people jerk my emotions around because I know on some level I do because it's happening and I'm crying, right? But like something about that, I don't, I don't want to come out of the magic of the story because the flip side of it is like, I'll figure out how to do it. I'd rather like figure out how to do it like <laughs> um, in my manuscript than go back and figure out how they did it because then I don't lose the magic of the thing. I can still go back to it and, and cry again. I cry a lot. It's fine. Well, so there are one, I'm resigned to say this, but I think anyone who's listening most likely have read them. And then there's something else I'll mention after that. The stories that made me think of like, wow, how did they, what are they doing to make me feel this? It is, sorry, everyone. It was Harry Potter. When I would read those books and I was finished with them, I really felt like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to see my friends for a really long time. And I think that's a really magical way to look at it. And I think what you can learn about um, that is a lot of times about um, creating such like immersive worlds and just really characters that you really identify with. So that's what you can learn from that. But the other, and by the time this comes out, it will already be out, um, is actually Brent's story, a novella, Unnecessary Chaos. I read it twice so far. um, And there's just something in those two characters that I liked it from beginning to end. I really liked the conflict and everything. So, I mean... Going back to what LP was saying, like it makes me think of because I'm very logical when going back to analyzing things, like how they work and how and why they made me feel things. So now I'm thinking of okay, maybe just go for the vibe of it instead of like going super deep. But that's I mean that's sort of my style, I suppose. And I think sort of going more towards that is what Matt is advocating in the book. Because it becomes an ingrained thing, as you were saying, LP. Like, we become storytellers by consuming story, and it just becomes instinct. But I do think that if you go, if you actively work on that, you can sort of expedite part of the process. Because, I mean, you, I do think that you will learn things if you're like consciously going to pick apart something. So, I don't know if it's. I mean, I, I know that that's a, that's a, I know that it can be learned. I absolutely recognize that because, you know, I know a lot of writers who do it and a lot of writers who are like, oh, you know, I can't turn off my, my writing brain and I'm seeing what they're doing. I don't, I don't want to write your brain. I want to watch the thing and be moved by it instead of moved by its uh, technical skill. Right. Uh, me personally, that's something I don't want to lose. Um and yeah, it, it probably will expedite, but I also think that there's, there can, there can be a rawness to, if you, if you're reading a book and then you find a spot, how did this make me feel this way? I want to use this in another book. You're going to use that similar template in your own book and you'll know it's there and like, that's fine. Everyone steals, like that's the nature of art. The conversation is how well do you polish it until it looks like it's your own. But 
like there's also a version of it where that could be stopping you from finding a new way to do the thing, a way that is uniquely gay, but a way that is uniquely Samim. And you don't know because you've done this other thing. So is, is one way wrong and one way right? One way right. I don't think that that's a conversation that's real. Um, yep. I think every author just has to have preferences and move with those. But like, yeah, I just choose not to do it that way. Um, yeah, I kind of like what LP saying. It really is for me. It's about like the energy behind it. I think I, I'm not someone who tends to look analytically of what the writer does. You know, the only thing I do that with is um, dialogue tags, honestly, because sometimes I'm always like, she said, he said. And so I look at a lot of dialogue tags just because I'm like, how can I do dialogue tags a little better? But other than that, um, more of like, the energy behind something and it's a lot like this when i paint or i or i'm doing some type of art i look at the technique that i'm learning but i'm also trying to understand the energy of getting to those places mm-hmm. i think um i can't remember who said this but i think somebody said just going back and rereading something um and sort of like absorbing the vibe of it um i think that's sort of where i am and i guess will that's what you're saying like about the energy like getting to the energy like i think that's more for me i don't i don't think i go back and ever like uh try to like take notes and pick apart like the exact sequence of how a story did what um but i like being absorbed uh in how it made me feel um and so like going back to that i haven't done that that often but there are some i haven't i've done it a few times for short stories there are some novels though where like i don't have to go back because the impact that like a specific moment in a book had on me, um, it, it sits with me forever. Um, and so I don't even like need to go back and read it. Like I know exactly what that feeling was. Um, and I'll know if I ever capture it in my own work, but I don't have to go back and like study it. Nick. Find the conversation about reader brain versus writer brain. Interesting. Why or why, why we won't, we, why or why we would do it. I can't turn writer brain off with TV and other media books. It's much easier to be able to enjoy. Uh, but when it comes to TV media, like I cannot turn it off. Like I've ruined so many movies for my wife. Cause I'll tell her the plot in the first 20 minutes of the <laughs> show and she hates it. Um, but yeah, I, when it comes to novels, I, I tend to be able to enjoy those a little bit more unless I'm going into it with a specific reason to learn. Mm-hmm. And now, I mean, you're mentioning other media. Have you found that you, I mean, you cannot turn your writer brain off during series or any form of TV, but have you found that making you enjoy it more when someone does like, Oh my God, this is, this is so well-written because I, I find that happens to me. And, uh, and Aranza, she, my, my girlfriend, she's like, just, I mean, I know you're going to, rant about how the writing was so good in this story for weeks like she knows that's going to happen so yeah i think i agree with you nick in that particularly for tv i can i can ruin it for myself like i enjoy it less even if it's a just in spectacle for a sunday movie 
I will not enjoy it as much because of the writer brain. But on the other hand, if it's well done, I will enjoy it way more than I would, I think, if that's not turned on. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that one. I I feel like there's certain shows I wouldn't like as much if I didn't understand the techniques going behind it. Where it's like, oh, I see what they did there. Hey, I really appreciate that. I like that show more. You know, it with TV and movies, yeah, I definitely do that way more than I'm reading a book. I think it's because, or comic books, I tend to do that with, but definitely movies and TV. I just feel like it's easier to kind of like look at the dialogue, look at the action, and then you're like, okay, they're going to do this, they're going to do that. And it partly is because I think a lot of visual media um, can be very repetitive. You know, where stories, you have at least a little bit more to work with as far as your imagination. But go ahead, next part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, to, uh, just to finish that, I, I suppose there's a psychological component to that of using different parts of the brain. It might change also if it's audio, like the the way you can notice certain things if it's audio, even if it's a novel. So yeah, I mean, that's a conversation for another day. Um, so the last part is of this section is to learn what book you are not writing. And I think, I mean, I don't know if there was this was intentional by Matt, but I, I do think that this is the soul of what writing the first draft is, of trying out things to figure out what your book is about by figuring out figuring out what it is not about. So in the book, Matt quotes the author Alexis Smith, where she says how she restarted a book several times over a period of several years. I understand that. Until she figured out what the book was by trying all the possibilities and discarding what the book wasn't. Like, that's the key of this section. And in page 25, Matt says, you start writing one book, and as you write, you realize there's another, better book you could be writing. One you'll arrive at by not abandoning your draft, but changing your conception of it. And then he quotes the poet Richard Hugo. Somehow you must switch your allegiance from the triggering subject to the words. Which is another way of saying that what your novel tells you it wants to be is ultimately more important than what you wanted it to be when you began. So what I get from this is, yeah, I mean, in the first draft, in most cases, at least in what I've written, even if it's a short story, the story ends up being different than I expected it to be, than I wanted it to be at the start. And I think this is the key thing of writing a first draft and something you will never achieve if you don't write that first draft. Like you can outline forever. And I mean, if you outline deep enough, it's going to be basically the novel or the story, the full story. But I think this is, key to figuring out what your story is. So the question that I have for 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 you guys is how much do you feel your stories evolve as you write them in the different levels? So, I well, mean, yeah, Samim, me, met, me. me and Samim met in Futurescape when I was writing Renegada and it was supposed to be a fun space opera heist and then it has turned out to be something actually dealing with trauma and 
you know, being controlled and a space heist in one, but that's not what I intended. I thought this was going to be a fucking light book. That was going to be like a space romp and like they're thieves. And it turned into dealing with like trauma and disappointing parents and having a found family and, you know, discovering yourself um, and all these other things that I had no intention of writing. I didn't want to write that in the least. That was not at all what I wanted. I wanted it to be fucking fun. And it was fun, but it was also deeply upsetting. So, and you figured out that while writing the first draft? Yeah, I I actually needed to have, I think it was you, Billy, and RJ to be like, pointing out, this is why it's being hard for you to write it, because you're dealing with a sense of abandonment. And I just looked at you guys, and I was like, Oh God, you guys know me too well. What is this? And then I could really start digging in and getting to the characters. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Samim? Uh, one, I just want to say, I think it's really great when your critique group is also like your group therapy. Um, I think there's so much overlap there. Um, <laughs> it often is, uh, yeah. But yeah, I think like what Will's saying is like, your story, it, it's not just that it's, it's not the book that you set out to write. It's more that what you set out to write is so much more than you realize. Um, and you have so much more to say often. Um, at least that's like been, been my experience. Um, and, and I think to some extent, it's also been a function of like, I don't know how much space it's going to take me to write that original idea. And sometimes I like, I figure, I, I figure out how much space it's going to take as I go through the writing process. And then I realize like, Oh, this, I can pack in more here um, uh, or there's a bigger picture here uh, or, you know, the opposite can happen sometimes where I'm like, I actually need to zoom in way more on this character um, and cut out a bunch of other stuff because the story is actually here. LP. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a part of that conversation that I was also having when I was talking about, you know, using embracing exploratory writing as like the basis of a novel to, to define tone, to, uh, uh, carve out character to really figure out what these plot points are going to be and when they hit and how they hit. Because, you know, I, you start in a place, <laughs> you start right. I, I say, man, don't have a plan when I start writing 78% of the time. You start typing and you start making things it's like, okay. And then as you go, you fill in some of the blanks and you figure out more and more and more. And as you do so, you start to know what the story is. And I think that's what this is as well. Like, I mean, as everyone here started a story one way and then it turned into something entirely um, maybe more personal than you thought it would be or more tear-jerking than you thought it would be. It was like, oh, I, ooh, you did that. But that's what the story needed. It wasn't what... We can't impose our will upon the stories we're trying to write. Right. Yep, and I mean, that's literally exactly what Matt says in the book. Just let the novel be itself, be what it needs to be. So, I mean, we have a few minutes left. I'll, I have an additional question that it's not something Matt mentions, but it, I think it's related to this. It's about trunked novels, trunked stories. What do you guys think about that? Because I think there's also a thing of trying out a story or story a book so many times that but in the end it's not gonna work for some reason because i've heard this many times from many authors i haven't trunked a novel because i haven't even finished my novel but i have trunked short stories 
So how do you feel about that? Like, have you gotten to a point that, yeah, this is not going to work even if I tried seven more times? Well, yeah, my young adult novel, it was terrible. It was a trash fire. It was a, a epic fail. But I'm really glad I did it. I rewrote it like three. I re- I did three different versions of it, and each time I was Wait. like, "Wow, this is like, this is terrible." And um, I have a comment. What's your comment on that? I'm gonna interrupt. Will what? Didn't you have that on submission, and someone offered to represent you based on that? Not not off of that one. Now off of another one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You have multiple middle grades, so I wasn't sure. Like. Are we talking about the same one? No. You, we really just going to talk about that. that Anyways, that my apologies. Continue. Yeah. So that one that I wrote was trash. I did write another young adult novel. I was offered representation, and I said no to that representation, which was really difficult, everyone. Side note for another episode. Nick? So trunk stuff is so much fun because I feel like when it comes to trunked ideas – what it really, for me, what it comes down to is two things. Am I writing the right story for me? And am I skilled enough to write this story the way I want it to be told? Oof, yeah. So those are two different things. I have to trunk epic fantasy from like, oh, how many years ago now? Eight years ago now? And I've always known I did not possess the skill at the time I started writing it and developing my characters that I I just didn't have what it took to write it the way I wanted it to be told. Mm-hmm. Right? So I've trunked that because I knew I don't have the skill set for what I want to do. I need to go learn it. And there's other ones where it's like, LP has one of these stories actually where it's like, I wrote it, but it will not see the light of day because it is not a story I should be publishing under my name for various <laughs> reasons, such as I'm not gay. And I wrote a gay romance scene for school, which is really fun, but it doesn't need to be published. Right. Um, so there's stuff like that. So that will always stand as a trunk, trunk short story for me, but it was still a really good experience. Samim. Uh, yeah, I don't have a ton of stuff trunked. Um, I, I have like stories that are like novels that I know I want to write, but um, like like Nick was saying, like I don't think I have the skill for it yet, so I've sort of put it away until I feel like I do, which I know is sort of like a self fulfilling prophecy to some extent. Um, but then I think I, I've also been told that your first novel is going to be trunked uh, more 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 likely than not, which is really scary. Um, so I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but I might have a truck novel soon. I disagree with that, but LP. I, uh, I wrote in my first short story class. That was the first time that I like thought, Hey, maybe I can do this. Uh, I wrote this really great story about like a girl with magic who was sick and like heritage and all these things, but Problem was that the young lady was like, um, was Middle Eastern, and people in the in the class really liked it, which was great. But also, one of the women in the class was Saudi, and she was like, "I love this, I and I love the Middle Eastern representation." But let me ask you something. I was like, "Yeah, what's up?" She's like, "What kind of Middle Eastern?" I was like, "Huh?" She's like, "Yeah, like Lebanese." 
Iraqi, Iranian? Are they from Oman? Like, where, what part mm-hmm. of the East is their family from? And like, I was like, huh? Yeah. So if you do that research, then I think you can you can do, use some specifics to make this this story even stronger. And I was like, you know what? I'm not going to do that research. I'm not going to use this story ever. We're going to put this in the trunk. For fucking ever, because I was like, I, I, I recognize that like mm-hmm. Middle Eastern people, particularly in the states, have a hard time telling their stories because of, you know, Islamophobia and yeah, many things. Most mostly Islamophobia, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, all right, I'm just not going to do this because I don't want to colonize someone else's story. But you know, you have to you have to write some things sometimes to figure out the things mm-hmm. that you can write. And, you know, stories that will never see the light of day. It's okay. And on the next next episode, we're going to go through character. That's that's the next section of the book. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias. And please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.